Today's episode is brought to you by Mazars. Sound Cartel. From Sound Cartel, I'm Nicole Goodman, and this is Business Essentials Daily. Does your business have a dress code? A standard of dress reflects the professionalism of your brand, and that's particularly relevant for customer or client-facing roles. It depends on your industry, of course, but you don't want to risk putting off your customers with a team member's unkempt hair or messy clothes. But how do you tell a staff member that their standards are just not good enough? And how do you broach the topic of body odour? Well, someone who's happy to guide us through those tough conversations is HR guru and CEO of Corporate Dojo, Karen Gately. So what should a business keep in mind when it comes to a dress code? Karen's talking to Chris Ashmore. It's about starting with, well, who is our customer? What is our marketplace? What do we actually do? And therefore, what is required? So the tying hair back one, for example, in the food services sector, I mean, that's just a matter of hygiene and health and safety standards that are just necessary. So there's no point debating that one. But if we found ourselves in an office environment that didn't have those kinds of requirements, then, you know, we might be really pushing the boundaries on what is a reasonable request. So I think the the starting position is having a policy so that everybody's on the same page and making sure we're communicating that policy so people do understand or appreciate it's part of their employment But then, as Freddie said, being sensible about where do those boundaries need to lie in order for us to have the level of impact on the outcomes, but also that customer or business reputation. But visible tattoos or nose rings or eyebrow piercings or whatever, things like that, are they enforceable though? No, again, I think it's a careful line that we need to walk down. I read somewhere recently that apparently we are the most tattooed generation history. So using tattoos as an example, it's an incredibly common thing that the people choose. Again, however, there are limits. So, you know, if you're working in an environment where we have really conservative customers, as an example, perhaps from older generation that feel less comfortable, then going some way towards being discreet about our tattoos can make a lot of sense. So if I've got facial tattoos, neck tattoos, I'm tattooed all over myself, then it's reasonable to expect that the employer is going to be quite hesitant about how are the customers coming into this environment actually going to feel about that. And, you know, are we going to be able to create a comfortable setting for them, comfortable environment? As for whether or not it's enforceable, Again, I think it comes down to having policies that are clearly articulated before somebody even contemplates coming to work for your business. The test always is is whether or not the policies are seen as being reasonable. So I think where it gets complex is, say, for example, somebody chooses to have a nose ring or a tattoo because of tribal or cultural reasons then unless we can clearly articulate why it just doesn't work for our business for whatever reason, then we're starting to step into places that can be seen as discriminatory. Hmm. So I would say use common sense in this space. 
that there are standards that we can expect. We need to clearly articulate them, but we also need to defend them, you know, be in a position to defend them if for whatever reason it creates unfair disadvantage for certain members of our team. It's a fine line, isn't it? As a business owner, you want people to be themselves, but how do you do that and ensure they observe the standards of the business? The advice I always give to people, because I'm often asked this question because I am somebody that chooses to have purple hair, you know, I've got visible tattoos, I've got a nose ring. In fact, I think I've got one of everything that we've been speaking about. (laughs) So, you know, people often do ask me this question and the reality is I need to be a version of myself that is appropriate for the setting. So something like my purple hair, I'm very confident, never undermines a customer's comfort or my ability to actually do my job. So we want to encourage people to be themselves because I think authenticity allows us to fully step into our own potential, to share our full selves at work. So we want people to feel comfortable, to feel authentically who they are, whilst at the same time asking them to maintain standards of themselves or versions of themselves that are appropriate. Personal hygiene, that can be a tricky issue, can't it? If someone's got body odour and they don't notice it and sometimes it's difficult to notice your own smells, how do you handle that without embarrassing the person in question? If there is a hygiene issue, start with understanding the impact. So if we're talking about the body odour in the workplace, the real impact of that is it creates an uncomfortable environment for other people. So that's why we're having to have the conversation. This is a conversation that I will always have privately. You know, we need to be sensitive and discreet, but it's also a conversation where I'm looking to work through the conversation pretty quickly because we don't want this person having to hang around at a really long, complex conversation about their body odor, right? We want to create awareness. So the first thing I will typically say to someone is, look, I appreciate this is likely uncomfortable for you to hear, and I'm not sure the extent to which you are already aware, but I do need to bring to your attention that there are certain days where your body odour is quite strong and if I'm noticing it, I'm confident that, that other people are probably noticing that as well. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention so that you are aware and can take the necessary steps to deal with that problem. And when I've had that conversation Sometimes the person is genuinely shocked. They, they didn't actually understand that that was an issue. But more often what people actually say is, oh, look, I am aware of that issue. I'm sorry, I didn't realise it's gotten bad again. And sometimes there's a medical condition involved in the situation. Most people are mortified and want to take steps. But not talking about it can be just as mortifying. I have seen examples where people who have been engaging in email conversation about their stinky colleague and articulating it in that way, and that email has been accidentally over time forwarded onto the individual concerned, and they have found out Mm. that way that everyone's talking about them. I've seen people decide that the right strategy is to stick a deodorant can on the person's desk and just send the really loud signal, Mm. again, that is not acting with compassion and decency. So I think as awkward as it is, if there is an issue, we need to talk about the issue. Absolutely. Be grown up about it. You mentioned earlier about risk of being accused of discrimination. How can you deal with that? It all goes back to, well, why do I have the policy that I have? So if, for example, let's take a nose ring or a facial piercing, 
Now, if in the course of our duties we might be at risk because we have a facial piercing, then that irrespective of our cultural beliefs or our religious beliefs, that could still be a workplace requirement. So obvious or logical one that I go back to is when I was a a martial arts teacher, clearly if I was wearing a nose piercing or a student was wearing a nose piercing, that could actually be really dangerous. And there are similar environments like manufacturing environments where we're wearing masks or other safety equipment that that could become an issue. So we need to show that it's a necessary requirement. But if it's just we don't like it and it doesn't fit with our culture, therefore we're intolerant of it, that's when we're going to get into the grey areas around discrimination. So if I believe that my facial piercing is an important part of my cultural heritage or custom or whatever it might be and the business has no reason to ban that other than they just want to, then that's when I'm more likely to have a claim to make. An address code's important. What should be included in a dress code? What does it look like? So I think it's it's about giving sensible guidance around where the boundaries lie. I've seen some businesses overdo this, in my opinion, where I'll have a whole bunch of photos and <laughs> with crosses through things, except now look, you know, jokes aside, that, that could help to make things clear. But I don't think we want to over-engineer it. We want to be clear that, hey, guys, we have standards and here's the boundaries within which we need to operate. So, again, I think it's a simple one-pager that hits the highlights of this is the standard that we're striving for, this is what we want to achieve, so that might be we want to always consistently look professional and neat and tidy and, you know, included in our boundaries around this is, you know, we don't expect you to be wearing board shorts to work. We don't expect you to be wearing thongs, you know, on your feet or we don't expect you to be wearing singlet tops. Or it may be that we've got different requirements depending on who you're in front of. So I have clients where the dress code policy is one thing when we're behind the doors, but if we're actually going out to meet with a client, then there is an expectation that we have a tie or we have a suit jacket or whatever the standard is. So it's putting into context for people, what choices do they need to make around their presentation, depending on the circumstances that they find themselves in. That was CEO of Corporate Dojo, Karen Gately. This episode of Business Essentials Daily is produced by the team at Sound Cartel. Thanks for listening. I'm Nicole Goodman. We'll bring you more B-Daily tomorrow. Follow at BEDailyPodcast across social media and head to bedaily.com.au for more from the Business Essentials Daily podcast. Sound Cartel. This episode was brought to you by Mazars. To find out more, visit mazars.com.au. That's M-A-Z-A-R-S dot com dot A-U.